If you have ever been in mourning, and I suspect many of you have known real mourning, then you know how hard such mourning can be. Because real mourning is like being in exile. I'm not talking about something tamed and domesticated, exactly one of the stages of grief, a normal part of life, something from something which we get over and from which we move on. I'm talking about an awareness of the kind of loss that leads us to great heaving sobs, the kind of loss that leaves a great big hole in our hearts that we know will never be filled, at least not in the same way or by the same person. Real mourning knows that the world can never be the same again. A favorite professor of mine used to say that the death of the tiniest Vietnamese child closes a window on reality that can never again be opened. And today he might substitute Iraqi child or homeless child for Vietnamese. Real mourning is a response to real loss. It's also a fairly solitary task to be in mourning, something that no one else can do for us. I once heard being in mourning described in a way that I found helpful, and I don't really know where I heard it, but I heard it described as rather like being behind a glass wall. Our hearts are broken, and our world seems changed, yet all about us, people, our friends, seem to be going on about their lives as though nothing earth-shaking had happened. And so that wall is at once separating uh, and also protective in a way, in a very tender time in our lives. It's as though we're in a different space somehow. Maybe once in a while someone else who's mourning can be behind that wall with us for a moment or two. But on the whole, when we're in mourning, it's a solitary spiritual task, however many real and true friends offer us a shoulder on which to cry. It's as though we are in exile. And then one day, we wake up, and for no apparent reason, that wall is no longer there. And we're able to connect once again and begin the work of constructing whatever life will be from here on out. Sometimes mourning also triggers losses other than the obvious one, losses we've perhaps not even acknowledged to ourselves. I well remember how a number of years ago a very good friend of mine died rather suddenly and how I wasn't fit for human company. I think the technical term was I was labile, I was weepy. I would weep at the drop of a hat, you know, the, a television commercial, a picture of a baby, bad news in the paper, anything could trigger my sense of loss. And even as I went through it, because mourning is something, uh, something we're more we're in than something we do, even as I went through that time, I knew that I was not only mourning the loss of my friend, but mourning a vision of my life that had not been fulfilled. I'd been blessed with grace upon grace for many years, only to see it all fall apart faster than the financial markets of the last few months. And in many ways, I believe that I became that cliche of a person who was looking for love in all the wrong places. And perhaps the glass wall not only protects us, but protects everyone else from us when we're being crazy. The craziness that sometimes comes with deep and abiding loss. The people of Israel, whom the prophet brought words of comfort, they had returned from exile and they faced the task of some kind of reconstruction of their land. It wasn't how they remembered it. It wasn't the same as they had been taught to think of it. And they were experiencing yet another disappointment, loss upon loss. And God promises through the prophet that one day, 
and for no apparent reason that glass wall will be lifted by sheer grace that the, the reconstruction will happen, the connection will be possible. The Lord has anointed me, says the prophet, to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. God reminds those people that they are not forgotten, however bleak things may seem, and that one day that wall will be lifted for no apparent reason, and they will know justice, and they will know mercy, and they will know deliverance. As St. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians many years later, another community longing to know the fullness of redemption, he wrote, the one who calls you is faithful. God who calls you is faithful. You may not see it now, but God who calls you is faithful. And there we have the challenge of this life, putting our whole trust in God's grace and love, God's trustworthiness, God's fidelity to us when all is not well, when the world is not right, and when if our ex even if our exile or mourning is over, we can still see around us more brokenness than the fullness of the glory of God. The promise of God is, of course, the promise of Christmas and the birth of a child who will usher in an age of peace, the light to whom John the Baptist testified, a birth in which the hopes and fears of all the years come together. Last week, Noel reminded us there is nothing we can do to conjure up the experience of grace for which we long, and at the same time, there is nothing we can do to stop the grace of God being poured out in God's good time and changing everything. You and I may or may not experience this grace, the renewal of life on the night of December the 24th and on the 12 days that follow. While we celebrate God's fidelity, our experience of God's fidelity frequently fails to match our church calendar, however wonderful and glorious and heartfelt our celebration. The prophet reminds a disappointed people that reconstruction in the fullest sense will be theirs. And St. Paul reminds of people, a later people, filled with longing that the one who calls them in is faithful. And our celebration of the birth of Christ offers us the same promise. And it's something that we can celebrate even when we do not fully experience it in the moment. Anyone who's ever come through mourning and found that glass wall gone, melted away, knows that God's promise of grace is not empty and knows that no one really knows the hour or day when it will happen. It might be weeks, it might be years. We simply know that it will happen and God's grace will be poured out in God's good time. A cynic will point at all of that seems to hold sway in the world and ask, where is your God? And a person of faith who finds himself in the exile of mourning longer than he or she thought they would be would seem to be abandoned. How long, O Lord, how long? Where art thou, O Lord? But I can tell you, and you can tell, many of you can tell each other, that mourning does come to an end. And that when it does, that's the beginning of reconstruction. It's the beginning of new life. For life will never be the same as it was. And it's often a slow awakening of the capacity of our availability for love. That the sign of new life 
is real connection with another or with others. I know how bleak things can seem in exile. But I know that Christmas does come and that love conquers all and that the one who calls us is faithful. So when we're in mourning, in anxious times, when we simply long for justice to be made manifest in this world, I urge you, put your whole trust in God's grace and love, for God is faithful. And watch for the first signs of grace, and those first signs of grace are when you start finding yourself once again in a new way, able to connect with another. No wonder the prophet's images are of marriage, and of love, and of springtime, and of radical renewal. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. He has covered me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. So wherever you are this day, are you in mourning, simply waiting? Maybe you're brimming over with thanksgiving. Wherever you are this day, wherever you find yourself, I invite you to respond to the gospel, asking grace that you and we may put our whole trust in God's grace and love and celebrate the promise and walk with confidence through whatever life brings us in the days to come. In silence and in response to the gospel, let us pray.